Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm very lucky to be joined today again. Very popular demand for this one. We had obviously Danny back on, I think it was like February time. So we've got Danny back on again. We're obviously going to do this couples podcast, which people love. So what we're going to do, I thought that it would be fair to sort of like, obviously people follow both me and Danny on Instagram and follow our journeys and where we're heading towards in terms of our own goals. So I thought it'd be cool to give you guys a little bit of an update on where Danny's at with regards to bodybuilding, her competitive endeavors, and obviously where she's at right now in terms of her off season. And so we're going to cover a bit on that. We're going to cover a bit of an update on myself, as I always do with my solo podcasts. And then we're going to roll into very similar fashion as I do with my solo podcasts in terms of just answering some of your guys' questions on Instagram, which we were very grateful to get again and we are going to stick to audio for this one as we are in unappropriate lighting is what danny called so we're not we're not ready to sh- <laughs> we're not ready to show our faces it wasn't just one. my decision <laughs> <laughs> we agreed that the lighting wasn't favorable and we're only one week into the mini cut so we're not right at the point where our jaw lines are appropriate for the um for the camera at sort of an an unoptimal angle correct mm. yeah. off season face yeah off season face is still in all right, so let's get cracking. So, Danny, let's get the listeners a bit of an update on you. So, what's going on right now? Where you at in your off season? And yeah, just give listeners a bit of an update. What's going on with you? So, someone asked me on my Instagram questions, "When is your next competition?" Hashtag legend. <laughs> thank you for calling me a legend I wouldn't say so but anyway um so I am as I previously have mentioned I'm next competing in 2020 and I'm gonna stick to that game plan um so yeah the whole of this year will be taken off even if I wanted to compete this year it's only 12 weeks until like the last two bros qualify which is far too soon far too soon to lose 20 pounds um if I wanted to be in my best condition so Yes, I'm waiting till next year and my plans are to compete with both Two Bros and the PCA. It's my last year as a junior bikini athlete. Um, So I kind of want to take advantage and do both federations and then I'll potentially do a pro qualifier at the end of 2020 just to see how I stand against the older girls. Um, So yeah, I'm sticking to the original plan. In my off-season at the minute, I am one week into a mini-cut I'm £20 above my previous stage weight. So my previous stage weight was £120 and I'm now £140. Um, And yeah, like I said, one week into a mini cut. And the reason I'm doing this mini cut is for a photo shoot that I'm doing for Compaq. If I wasn't doing this photo shoot, I probably wouldn't have mini cutted this early. Um, I don't think. I think I would have stayed out of a deficit a little bit longer but because I've got this photo shoot I just want to feel a little bit more confident I was about at my upper limit for how much I wanted to push above my stage weight anyway so it wasn't an issue to do the mini cut so I've decided to start it now and it will be lasting six weeks until the end of July Um, and AJ has decided to do a mini cut at the same time as I have (laughs) so he decided to copy me (laughs) and join in (laughs) join in yeah he wanted in on the mini cut god's sake <laughs> he didn't want me to look more dieted than he did so brilliant. he decided to mini cut with me yeah, and that brilliant. is where we're at at the minute um i'm aiming to lose around like six or seven pounds and then 
probably spend after that as much time as possible out of a deficit until we prep next year. But that being said, um, I don't want to start prep any more than £20 above my stage weight because the aim will be to get shredded and not have to do an absolute mammoth of a prep and um, obviously hold on to as much muscle tissue as possible. So if I have to lose like a really large amount of weight, so I had to lose £30, it would just mean that I either, one, have to do a super, super, super long prep or two, have to be really aggressive with it, which I don't want to do. I think the best thing for me is to stay within about £20 above stage weight and go from there to start prep. So that's the plan and me and AJ will probably end up prepping at a similar time next season, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all being well. So that's a pretty cool swift update on on you and where you're at. I think more girls need to listen to what Danny's doing and maybe take some hints and, and tips from, from sort of a competitor that's willing to take time off. And I could add to that as well. I watched, um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of Emily Hayden. Um, but she's an IFBB pro and she has made a vlog which I was listening to this morning um, and she was talking about the importance of having time off and basically how she competed four years back to back and by the fourth year she was basically done in, didn't look her best and realised that she should have taken time off before that because she got to the point where she was almost burnt out, she said she would never compete ever again and then now she's competing again now she's had that time off she's had years off now um and she's realized she just needed a break and she should have taken it while she was already ahead of the game while she was in a really good position rather than waiting for, to the point that she'd burnt herself out and then taking a break she was saying how you should take a break whilst you're already ahead of the game whilst you're making good progress which i completely agree with like that I was like, yes, that's so, so good to hear from a bikini athlete. Um, and I'm also the strongest I've ever been because of taking a break, which will obviously result in more muscle tissue. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's just so many reasons why, especially as females, you want to take time away from, from competing and from dieting down. And I think, unfortunately, the attachment to dieting for females is a little bit heavier than a male because obviously the feeling leaner and looking leaner and, and being more cosmetically pleasing as a female is a little bit more of a I guess a, a driving factor or force because as a male of course you can kind of like you know wear baggy hoodies and just sort of crack on a little bit whereas females obviously especially in the summer months you kind of just want to be lean you want to look that that little bit leaner and not necessarily stay stage lean but once you've been stage lean that's what you determine as lean so the attachment to sort of doing a show just because it's summer or just because you've like spent the off season in the winter months is certainly there. And you see that with a lot of competitors, even when their goals actually reside within doing better show to show and they want to improve or they want to get a pro card or something like that, but they're not willing to take the time off because they're so attached to the competing process. I think more competitors should just see it as a challenge to take time off. Like, I, th I wouldn't I would be lying if I said the last taking two years off has been a challenge for me you no know, not dieting to stage condition for two years has certainly been a challenge you know watching my friends compete watching clients compete makes me want to compete all the time <laughs> and uh, but but I know that I've talked about this a lot on the podcast but my goal in terms of what I want to do in 2020 is way stronger than the emotions that I have attached to just you know doing a show just for the hell of it and it also makes you appreciate other areas of life as well and I'm sure AJ will agree 
during my off season I've had so much more time and energy to put into my business and yeah. other things like that mm. and like you were saying you'd have to cap your clients in 2020 because yeah. it ultimately contest prep is very time consuming and it is very energy consuming um so you've got to be careful with where you allocate your energy almost but during an improvement season you've got more time and energy to spend on other aspects of life like business like socializing spending time with friends and family who've supported you ultimately through your contest prep so you should give back to them people um and there's just so many benefits to it yeah for sure awesome so yeah i think there's a lot to take from that and again obviously we'll you know be doing fairly frequent podcasts i'd like to get danny on here like every couple of months or so and just do an update on where she's at and what's going on with things and potentially if there's interest we could do something joint during our preps when we do like a weekly update or something we could do that for the site or even for youtube and grow a bit of a following on that front and, and see how we're both feeling through a contest prep because i think you know if some people have done that before with relationships and they've logged their contest preps together i think it's a pretty cool thing so we could start doing that in the future all right so i guess i'll give a little bit of an update on myself as well so where i'm at currently is obviously very similar to danny in terms of like my current goals in terms of what i'm doing from a, a caloric perspective i've just entered my first sort of deficit in about 10 months so my last mini cut was in august of 2018 um so i you know i've been basically in a surplus since that period of time since early september and obviously it's been mighty productive in the sense that i've taken my body weight from the lowest point which i got to about 167 pounds in that mini cut which for reference was about 20 pounds above my stage weight and that was fairly lean you know provided you know obviously the difference between stage and lean is quite drastic for someone of my competitive level in the sense that you know getting lines in our ass kind of thing so that the, there's a big difference so 20 pounds above that weight and then i took it all the way up from 167 all the way to 190 and i promised like i said on my social media i was like i am getting to 190 and I'll make 190 look good. And I promised that. And I said that to people that I would do that. And I did. I boxed it off. I actually held 190 for like a month and a half. And then obviously I hit that period of weird time, which I've discussed on the podcast, just before body power, where I just had a few th weird things happen, caught something after body power and just had the weirdest couple of weeks of my life in a lot of ways, um, or at least some of the weirdest ones. So I had that happen. And then I also lost a little bit of weight after after that period of time. So I knew that I, I was going to do a mini cut regardless, probably after body power, just to start to get a level of fitness back. And my appetite was diminishing fast. I mean, Danny can even attest to that. Like before body power, I was actually starting to really struggle to get in food. And it would become like, you know, calorically dense items of food would just be slipping in really easily. And like even when we went away to... Uh, when we went away to Belgium, like my appetite was just very low. So even like nice food, palatable food was just unattractive. And I know that at that point, I was really struggling to just sort of hit baseline numbers. And I know that from past experience, my receptiveness to, to caloric intake at that point is just so, so poor that it's just not worth pushing much more than where I was at. So I actually hit like, I think one of my heaviest weigh-ins was like 193. So certainly the heaviest I've been in my entire life. So it's nice to sort of feel what it was like to be there. However, I don't think that necessarily pushing any further than that would have yielded me any more progress in the gym. 
I think I can actually retain a lot of the strength that I've developed up to 190 by even being a bit lighter than where I'm at right now. Um, already like dropping the initial four or five pounds that I'll already drop in the first week of a deficit, which I already kind of have dropped, have been in a deficit since Sunday. I've pretty much dropped about four or five pounds. And already like the first thing that actually feels better for me is hip hinges, funnily enough. So like when I did my RDLs, the 200 kg set, that felt better in a lot of ways than when I was doing the 190, the 195s, because I don't know what it is about having a little bit less body fat somewhere or a little bit less water weight, but I feel better in hip hinges. Uh, some other things actually feel worse already, like some squat patterns on a hack squat, just having that little less cushioning already feels a little worse, but it actually will start to just feel better as I get used to being at that body weight. So yeah, I, and actually that's one of the questions, like people asking whether I expect to drop weight, or drop loading during the mini cut or drop performance. Of course, it's kind of par for the course. You will probably drop some performance, especially in an aggressive deficit, just simply because recovery capacity is going down. But I will be pacing my volume in training to basically baseline levels of volume. So I will be still hopefully recovering session to session to the point where I'm not going into sessions sore. That's definitely not the goal. But the goal will realistically be trying to retain numbers. And if there is a day where I can take progressions, of course, I'll still take a lift progression, provided that, you know, execution still nails. But that realistically will be the goal is to hold on to numbers, get, you know, back to ideally, I'll probably get down to 170 ish between 170 and 175. And that'll be pretty lean. I'll take again some photos in a variety of lighting at that body weight, see how 170 looks. And if I can make 170 look pretty lean, like, you know, striations across like my upper body, get my upper body, my legs won't be that lean at 170, but my upper body probably will be quite lean. So it'll be really interesting to see how I look at 170, compare that to where I was at 170 in the last mini cut, see if any muscle's been gained, which I'd cry if there wasn't. <laughs> so that's realistically the, the goal with this phase is just to resensitize a little bit, bring back appetite, uh, bring back fitness, which got very poor, which I, was my own, my own fault. I didn't have any sort of CV work in when I was getting up to 190 and I really paid the price for that. So that's something that uh, upon reassessment is something that I'm keeping in. It will be some cardiovascular work, even when I'm pushing back up to you know, 190 and the goal once I get to 170 will be to eat food all the way back up to 195 and then 195 I'll have some more muscle and then I'll probably start a mini diet uh, back end of this year to sort of get ready for being in a better starting position for my full prep in 2020 which will probably start in March time. So that's sort of the, 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 the plan but like I said in the post on Instagram today a plan is a, a plan, but you have to be very reactive in the sense you just set a plan and then you've got to change it along the way. So something might change and I might have to change my plans. But for now, that's where I'm at. And other than that, sort of general update on training. Training is going really well. So good. this week of training has been good. I uh, had no issues at all. No real niggles at the moment, touch wood. So things are all good in the hood. And other than that, I've got BM, uh, not BMBF, UKDFBA, Scottish coming up not this weekend but the weekend after and Danny's got the glutey wear event right yeah so, so if anyone's going to yeah. the glutey wear event come and say hi I'll see you there yeah whereas can people still get tickets for that or not um I think you can have a look on the glutey wear website 
Um, you can get the tickets through Eventbrite or the website itself. Okay, cool. Fantastic. So, yeah, we'll now get into some of the questions on Instagram. So, I'll take one first and we'll go from there, see where it takes us. So, let's start with a fairly sort of juicy one to get people engaged. So, Shari asks, do you ever think that we will join forces in terms of coaching? I know we have very similar thoughts on this, so I'll let you take your opinions and I'll say anything that I think is different. <laughs> I think we both have like the same work ethic and it would be... I think if we weren't in a relationship, it would be pretty good for us to work together. Sure. Um, but we've had this discussion and we don't like necessarily think it's always a good idea to mix business with your other half um, because... Like, me and AJ, we obviously want to separate our relationship and our business in some ways. Um, and we potentially might collaborate on some things. But I think for the majority of it, like the bulk of our business, it's probably a good idea to keep those things separate. Um, just because it, it puts a lot of pressure on, like sharing a business and a relationship with the same person. There's a lot of pressure there. Um, and... Yeah, it is. There's a lot to consider with that, and I think, like I said, if if me and AJ weren't together, which obviously I wouldn't want to happen, <laughs> um, I, if he was just another person, we share the same work ethic, we we love what we do. I think I'd love to work with a person like AJ, um, but as we are together, I think sometimes it's better. We will collaborate on some things. I definitely think we will in future, mm. um, but I think for the bulk of our business, it's good to keep it separate. Yeah potentially yes i would 100 percent agree i've seen a lot of other businesses combine a female and a male coach and they've been in a relationship and i've seen that not go so well so ultimately like you know the integrity of our businesses would revolve around the solidity of our relationship and that's something that i don't think we're both prepared to sort of risk in a sense because uh if we get into a an issue with regards to business that can therefore affect our relationship if we get into an issue with our relationship that's going to affect our, our businesses so we kind of want to keep both separate so that both can remain of a high quality and one doesn't affect the other and we don't have the pressure of that because and yeah. we bounce ideas off each other and stuff yeah, but we do, yeah. it's good to like me and aj we both for those of you who don't know we basically live together we spend all of our time together um, we we literally do everything together. So if we were to add a business on top of that, which we shared, yeah. everything, our whole entire lives would be together. Yeah. Everything, every yeah. second of it. Yeah. Because we're so invested in our businesses and in our relationship, I think it would just be too much. Yeah, agreed, agreed. It would be it would be a, it would be a, a lot of time spent together in a way that you know, sometimes is, is pressurized, you know, like from a work perspective, we will sometimes be pressurized and, yeah. and that can part, you know, and if I'll, we wanted to chill together, yeah, you can't. we'd be thinking about business yeah, <laughs> when we're trying to chill out. So, so it just it's, good, work. it's good to have it separate. And obviously Danny has her individual niche in the sense that she coaches females and I coach primarily males, but I do have females on my roster, but nevertheless, you know, Danny has her own focus. I have my own focus and, like we said, we bounce ideas off each other. I recommend my female clients to go and do posing with her and, 
you know, if, if if she got, you know, questions from, from males about physique development, she'd send them to me. So it's like, you know, bounce bounce off the back of each other. And I think that works a little bit better. But there's no reason to suggest that we wouldn't do something together in some format in the future, like in a seminar or, you know, uh, some sort of program or we've discussed some business ideas that we've had that could be together that just wouldn't be full on full-time not the ideas. entire business not the entire <laughs> business no I, I just don't think that it just i think it's not a good idea in some ways yeah so yeah hope that answers your question shari cool so next question is on so there was a post from john jewett that discussed about sort of uh, the importance of or the differences between adding neat increasing neat so non-exercise activity thermogenesis versus adding cardio on the treadmill for fat loss. So let's just pay it phase this question to you. In a situation with a client, let's say, you know, we're looking to contest prep bikini, like, you know, what do you tend to favor more over the other in terms of when you're setting up creating the deficit? Do you prefer to increase NEATs versus adding cardio? When would you do one or the other? Is your are you doing more NEAT at the start, less cardio at the start, more cardio at the end? How do you tend to set up things? It's partially person dependent. So, like, if somebody already has ridiculously high steps, like their knee, their steps are what 20,000, I do not want to drive them up any higher because I think with I've not seen the post by the way. Okay, well, it's um, just basically discussing what I said in terms of like one versus the other, and also the fact that it's basically also the importance of knee in terms of the sense that people get lazy. Yeah, so it's important to keep your neat consistent whilst you're driving up cardio because what is what tends to happen is as you increase somebody's cardio, if you aren't tracking their neat or using steps to track their neat, they will automatically like compensate by fidgeting less, walking less, just being less active away from their cardio in the training session. So whilst you're driving up cardio, they're burning less energy through their general activity. So that's why it's important to track your need to make sure that you're not starting to downregulate your activity levels away from training and cardio um so yeah and like i said it's it is person dependent because if someone's steps are already super duper high i don't want to drive them up anymore like doing more than twenty thousand steps a day me and aj did that in um, new york and we were absolutely battered so if somebody's doing that every single day in my opinion surely that's going to have an impact on the amount of muscle tissue they're carrying yeah absolutely um so I don't like to drive neat up past a certain point. Um, and like I said, if someone's already super active, I don't want to drive it up even higher. Um, but it is a tool that can be utilised. Say for somebody that's really inactive and they come and they have really low steps, then for them it becomes really important to drive it up because it's an easy way to increase their energy expenditure without them having to do formal cardio, which could potentially be more fatiguing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, like I said, it's person-dependent, but I wouldn't drive knee up past a certain point, and it is really, really important to monitor whilst you're increasing formal cardio. Um, and whilst you're playing about with training as well. Yeah. So I think to add to that, I think when you're looking at NEAT from the perspective of a contest prep, you need to, obviously, if it's just general fat loss, then just, you know, track your steps and make sure that you're consistent with them. But outside of that, when you're looking at steps from a contest prep perspective, I think the only thing I have to add to what Danny already said, which was great, 
is the fact that you will have to look at how it affects you from a cosmetic perspective. So if you're driving up your steps and you start to notice your legs are flattening out considerably, obviously don't be like massively over analytical on this. Like don't wake up one morning after I increase your steps by 2000 and think your legs are flat. It's just not really going to happen. But if you drive up your steps over a long period of time and you're getting close to like the 20,000 mark, I see a lot of people's legs tend to fade in terms of just their general fullness. So definitely be cautious with that. Outside of that from, I think the importance of neat intensity is one to be monitored as well. So let's say you start off your prep and you've got 10,000 steps and you're doing them all by just accumulating them naturally. So like I can hit 10,000 steps fairly close by just like walking to the shops a couple of times, walking to the gym or walking around the gym etc etc so uh, if I was to add steps on top of that then maybe I'd look to start to implement power walks especially later in prep when our ability to get our heart rate up is pretty hard because we're very fit you know my resting heart rate in prep is is in low what low 40s which is Danny's off-season heart rate because she's just naturally having a very low heart rate and she keeps her fitness but in terms of my heart rate during prep, I have to really work to get it up because my fitness is very well developed. So for me, going out for that, so for me at 190, going out for a walk, I might actually get my heart rate up by just going out for a, a slow paced walk. But to elicit that same response from a heart rate perspective, when I'm like close to 150 pounds and I'm very fit, oh my god, it's not going to do the same thing at all. So from a caloric burn standpoint, that same walk is just not not as effective. So neat to actually change the same way in cardio, like the same way that cardio does. And that's why if people are purely using neats, especially towards the end when you're very fit, you're going to have to drive that neat up very, very high to get a decent caloric burn. And that's why you see people at the end of prep doing 20, 25,000, 30,000 steps a day, thinking that that's the best way to create energy expenditure, when in reality it's just not. And, you know, I think that... A lot of coaches need to have a bit more of an open mind in terms of tracking NEATs because I see a lot of coaches still not using step trackers and you know they'll put up posts on Instagram saying oh my my client's doing no cardio and is on this food and like they're not doing no cardio they're just doing loads of steps which you don't know about and they're probably just expending energy because they want to remain on high food and that's something as a client that from a client perspective I need to be very aware of like for example George you know I didn't change his steps for a couple of weeks and I noticed them just slowly creeping up to a point where he was probably just adding a little bit more thinking that was more was better and a lot of clients will think that when you when you start rising up their steps they're like oh, okay well if Danny's increased my steps by 2,000, then I'm going to do 3,000 more. I'm going to do 4,000 more. And there is a point of diminishing returns in the sense that you'll be constantly on your feet all day. Cardio, then steps, then training. And you've got to really question as to when you're actually sitting down and trying to you know, get yourself into a relaxed state or the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. Like trying to actually relax. Because when you do relax, you'll obviously start to have that you know, from a physiological perspective, start to have that shift. And that's when you're actually going to be recovering and potentially in a position from a physiological perspective to actually lose fat as efficiently as possible. So, And yeah. I think to add to that as well, um, there is a consideration that females obviously expend a lot less energy than males do, um, especially considering 
neat like doing steps the amount of calories a female is going to burn doing a certain amount of steps is very minimal yeah um so for most females if their steps are already decent i would favor an increase in cardio because an increase in steps is going to have a very minimal effect i might drive them up a little bit through a prep but not i wouldn't change them massively i'd keep them where their usual steps are um and potentially if i work with them through an improvement season i'll get them to hit a certain step target just to keep their activity levels at a decent level um but I don't think I would favour a step increase over a cardio increase for a small female. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, uh, Jeannie asks, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce your name, Jeannie. So I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong. I'm pretty sure I got it right. So what are your best prep brain moments? I know Danny has one, so I'll let you go first with your prep brain moments. Okay, so my, probably the worst one was, um, I, w- I used to work at a pure gym opposite of Sainsbury's and I used to go and do my food shopping all the time and go through the self-service checkouts. So I did an entire food shop, scanned it all through the self-service checkouts and then just walked off without paying. Um, and someone came to chase me outside who I knew who worked there. So that was probably the worst, but I'm just like, very clumsy in the last few weeks of prep i'll do things like drop bowls spill my oats over the bowl um classic prep things what about you <sighs> see i was actually trying to think about this question when it came in i don't actually know because i can't really remember what my best prep brain moment was i probably had plenty to be honest but it feels like so long ago that i can't quite remember what dumb stuff i was doing but to be fair if i look back and like think about the differences in from a psychological perspective, how different I was. Like it's crazy how different I was. Like a lot of things that I was very heavily focused on, I've got a very much more of a relaxed process on now. Like I was very, very ne- neurotic in terms of meal timing, very neurotic in terms of fluid intake, very neurotic in terms of cooking processes. Like everything had to be just bang on, which I think I'll definitely be doing next prep. So you know that that's part of prep for me i'm very neurotic and i think a lot of the best people that turn up on stage in great condition are quite neurotic in the sense that they want to do the same things every day and they want to do them bang on so like you know for me like when i was traveling to shows like i would take everything with me and i mean everything like every single bit of my day that was part of my routine i would would take with me and i i would make sure that everything was just absolutely timed to perfection like, you know, I don't don't think that that's something that I think is a good thing to carry into your off-season. So for you, Jeannie, like to actually turn this question on its head and actually give you a bit of a positive thing. Whatever you're doing right now that's sort of like quite neurotic and repetitive and, you know, in a way, good, positive. But don't try and carry that for too long into your off-season because you will affect ultimately your, your quality of life if you're taking over all of these neurotic things with regards to you know crazy obsession with meal timing crazy obsession with getting everything bang onto a t you know just just relax a little bit in your off season i think that's pretty important because otherwise your, your gas tank you know from a psychological perspective will be pretty low going into your next fat loss phase you know for me just apart from like actually the the fairly rapid rise in hunger going into lower calories on this mini cut my psychological approach to it is very easy like I, I can just get on with it fine the only issue has just been 
wow, I'm hungry because I haven't ever been in a deficit in a long time. It's like the first time I'm feeling hungry in like eight months. <laughs> so apart from that, it's very easy for me to transition into a, a diet phase because I've been spending so long being a little more relaxed. So yeah, I hope that helps. And I'm sorry that I couldn't think of my best prep brain moment. I'm trying to think of one apart from just being a little bit ratty here and there. And AJ was so method methodolic methodological oh, i don't know whatever that word he was is, they so is. neurotic about his timings that he never had a prep brain moment yeah yeah i just didn't have time for it it wasn't in my schedule so i didn't quite fit it in though no. my schedule was quite hectic as i was PTing. yeah i wasn't PTing, so no problems with that right so luke will take your question what are we next getting a no bones platter when you agree to take us for a no bones platter yeah can we have a can we have a double, double date, date or is is that on the cards, Luke? Yeah. Have you got have you got someone that's coming with you or you know, let's spark a bit of like, you know, should we put the title of this? Is Luke in a relationship? Can we have two no bones platters? Yeah. Two no bones platters, four no bones platters. What are we saying, Luke? Let us know, slide into the DMs as to whether we can we can hook up that event. I'm just trying to find genius questions so I can timestamp it. Uh, right, so outside of that, let's take another one. So when you hear the word successful, who's the first person that comes to your mind and why? That's really interesting. Let's see what your answer to that is. I don't know. You answer first. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'd say as a, you know, to be fair, like, I'd say you're very successful in a lot of the ways that you do things. Ah, oh, look at this. <laughs> Fucking hell. That question was set up to be soppy. But yeah, and I would say Danny, because obviously I'm surrounded by Danny all the time, and I see how much effort she puts into her coaching and her business. And it's, to be fair, it's in a lot of ways, from what I've seen, like, in terms of other people, it's very much unrivaled in terms of, like, you know, communication that she gives, the time that she gives for clients, um, her patience with clients, etc. So, like, if you were to determine like success, that doesn't, in my opinion, it's not like you know having hundreds and thousands of clients. It's actually, you know, from a coaching perspective, success is running an efficient business with the the sole integrity of the business remaining intact throughout its entire operation. So, the reason why a lot of online, online coaches go down in a very quick fashion is because they're either not consistent or they bite off more they can more than they can chew and their reputation drops so i think from the successful business standpoint danny's doing very well i completely agree with that and i think me and aj share a lot of the same values in terms of the way that we run our businesses the way that we care about our clients the effort we put into it we never you know we never let anyone down we'll always be there for our clients whenever they need us we put nothing but 100% into every client's check-in feedback into their programming um and if anyone ever asks us a question we either answer it or we go and find out the answer yeah um we're constantly looking to further our knowledge we went to the muscle mentors weekend the other day yeah we're both studying in our spare time reading research etc so yeah i would agree um and i think people should think a little bit more about the way that they measure success as well because ultimately like some of the richest people in the world they're very unhappy so mm, would you mm. call that success mm. i personally wouldn't i would much rather 
absolutely love doing what I do and earn enough and thoroughly enjoy it and get the most out of my life than be someone who won the lottery but didn't do anything to get there and was just rich and unhappy. Yeah, totally agrees. Totally agrees. I mean, we both make, not going to like hide it, we both make a very comfortable amount of money for how old we are and how long we've been in this game. But both very comfortable and, you know, we're allowed to, we've got the ability to go on nice holidays. We've obviously got the ability to soon, like, be sit, be pretty much in a position to save and buy our, buy our house together and move out together. So, you know, like, a lot of these opportunities we're opening up for ourselves because we've been super duper consistent. Like, you know, all you have to do is look back on our Instagram or look back on any of our, our social medias, which essentially drive our businesses and see how consistent we've been and not actually look at just, okay, you posted, look at the value in the post, you know, something that actually, again, a bit soppy, but something that actually attracted me to Danny in the first place was unfortunately in some ways reading her social media. Um, someone asked how we met. We'll talk about that in a bit, but reading her social media and actually having someone that was posting, stuff that was beneficial and helpful for people as opposed to just posting a throwback in a bikini that made me want to speak to Danny a bit more because that's someone that I wanted to be chatting to because I knew that that was someone who who really was investing a lot of time like me into what I was doing you know not just putting stuff out there for the sake of it but putting stuff stuff out there for a reason you know wanting to help people regardless of the reach you know Danny's reach has grown significantly I think when I met her she was on like 4,000 followers and now she's on eight so you'll be at 10 in the next you know month or so and and you'll have the swipe up feature so that's fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> you've made it you've made it all right fantastic let's go on to another why question. don't you do one of those posts that says get danny to 10k yeah well <laughs> i'm saving that for you know when you're about one away and then you'll get 10 followers and then you know nine will unfollow and you'll just be hovering around why will they unfollow because <laughs> i'll tell them Say unfollow, unfollow. (laughs) Oh dear. Right, okay, so next question. Favourite activity to do together other than smashing PBs? (laughs) Oh, I love this question. Other than smashing PBs, PBs in the gym. So what's our favourite activity to do together, Daddy? What do we like to do? Ooh, silence. AJ likes to be a pig. A pig. (laughs) We like to go on walks together. We like to go to the cinema and get pick and mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else do we like to do? <laughs> go on holiday. On holiday, that's our favourite activity. Yeah, I think holiday's the favourite activity, to be fair. I love travelling. Yeah, holiday's the favourite activity. So, yeah, I think, yeah, we do a lot of things, to be fair, that's outside of just smashing um, PBs in the gym. So I think, think there's a lot of there's a lot of variety in in our in our life, which is nice. So the other weekend um, we went to the service station and AJ. Great. And AJ bought a pig hand warmer. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I bought a pig. I mean, we saw the pig. It was a fluffy, cuddly pig, and I just saw it and I was like, "Wow!" Immediate purchase. So we, you know, Danny liked it too. So we were looking through the plushes and there was various ones. There was unicorn. 
There was, what else was there? There was a sheep. There was a panda. There was a panda. The pig was ultimately the, the one we had to pick. Yeah. So it just, you know, you can keep your hands warm in it, which is good for the, the winter months. Good for the PNS. We purchased a pig. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think outside of that, what else? What else do we do that's, that's fun? Um, we... We go do our fasted cardio together. That's very romantic. We did that this morning. Yeah, we do that together, which is actually a benefit, to be fair. Like, it's a lot easier doing cardio with a partner. Yeah. With a, a tag along as opposed to just going on dragging yourself on your own. Oh, yeah, we like to go to bodybuilding shows together, don't we? So yeah. Definitely. We go to bodybuilding shows together. We like that. And I think that's, that's, a, that's like, one of the most enjoyable things in the sense that we're, like, we're both going to watch what essentially is our passion. Obviously, um... We like going to not only just gyms, but different gyms, like traveling to different gyms, trying out different gyms. And uh, yeah, we meditate as well, don't we? Yeah. We, we now meditate together. But the annoying thing is, AJ racks up his minutes on his meditation app. Racks. Because we use his phone. Yeah. So I don't get the minutes, but no. we meditate together. Yeah, so outside of and on that note meditation is actually something i have been recommending to quite a few of my clients recently i genuinely think it is so beneficial for anybody to implement um who can get into it one of my clients implemented it um she was really struggling to get to sleep and ever since she's been sleeping amazingly um quite a few clients have just found it beneficial from a stress control and um and anxiety control perspective but i genuinely think it's really beneficial i saw it help aj an absolute ton mm. when he went through the thing with his heart and then obviously i tried it myself and yeah i genuinely think it's something that anybody could benefit from i've seen amelia uh promote it for ages but i've never used it myself until now yeah i like it a lot i i mean i did it for a little bit of a time period a long time ago it's why i've always yes, already so. got a little bit of a a streak on headspace or some minutes racked up on headspace but outside of that i think yeah the, you just gotta get into it and be consistent with it like you know if you if you obviously get away from doing it you get a couple of days away from doing it you're not gonna get back into it again so yeah just be consistent with it and it should provide benefit and i actually did a meditation class when i was in secondary school you know you have to take something for general studies where you do an hour a week i did meditation mm. fun fact very good Cool. So, do we count protein from only direct sources, or do we can include trace proteins as well? We both do the same for this. Yeah, yeah. We both count trace protein as well as normal protein. Yeah. So, I think the only consideration in that instance is like, okay, let's say you know you're driving up carbohydrates and you're keeping protein static, and you're getting more and more trace proteins in your carbohydrate sources. Then you just need to be aware that you're getting enough high, highly bioavailable protein sources in each meal. So, you know, ideally hitting that sort of three gram of leucine cap or, and you're probably going to be doing that from hitting like a 25 gram bolus of protein. So if, you know, and obviously if you're a little bit smaller, potentially you get away with a little bit less, but ideally 25 gram bolus. And most people do that anyway. Like even if you weren't fully tracking on my fitness bar, you probably end up doing that anyway, regardless. So, that's what I would say, just, you know, I track everything. Ultimately, if you're just tracking from source and you're actually trying to de de detract the protein from all the trace, 
you're going to spend hours on my fitness pal trying to work out your macros or you're going to st- you, you're, you're going to feel follow a meal plan and restrict your ability to have variety and at the end of the day diversity in your food sources is so beneficial for gut health yeah so in my opinion i don't favor a strict rigid meal plan approach no me neither um i try and p- promote a little bit more flexibility and diversity in terms of nutrition um so yeah that's why i favor setting macros yeah me too and i do the same for my clients like even if a client asks for a meal plan the first thing i'll actually say to them is like okay right cool so you want a restriction on your ability to create diversity and your ability to have variety in your diet which is one of the most fundamental things that we have to do to create human health yeah and there's actually research into the fact that following a flexible approach nutrition so setting your macros um has less of a chance of promoting like the development of eating disorders so disordered eating um throughout a prep yeah i'm not surprised about that at all to be honest because the let's say you restrict and you're having the same foods every single day the first thing you want to do when you're the end of prep is eat everything that wasn't on your meal plan whereas when you're on a flexible approach you can have some degree of rotating food sources. So you're like, one day I'm like, oh, okay, I'm really craving fruit. Cool, let's have a huge bowl of fruit and make up some carbohydrates from that, you know? And don't get us wrong. Me and AJ are not like, IFYM will fit ice cream into our macros. That's not what we're like. You did we have fit... Halo Top the other night, though. Yeah, but we don't do that on a daily basis. <laughs> but we don't track out, we don't like try and fit loads of crap into our macros on a daily basis. And through a competition prep, I wouldn't have things like Halo Top. No, no. I no. would follow a structure in regards to my nutrition. The things which I would rotate would be like my vegetable sources, my fruit sources, my protein sources, like flick between different. Although in your last prep, because of one of the coaches yeah. you work with, you had no fruit in your That's diet before you met me. Yeah. So I was going to say on my last prep, um, when I was, before I took over my own prep, when I was working with my previous coach, yeah. I did follow a meal plan approach and um, it it didn't work for me. I would say that I think if I'd have followed that meal plan all the way through prep and I didn't take over my own um, prep, I would have would have ended up in quite a bad place in regards to my relationship with food yeah, if I'd have stuck through with it. Digestion horrendous. My digestion well. wasn't very good from following a strict meal plan and not having any food variety, not having any fruit in my diet. Um <laughs> So there are a lot of disadvantages to it and I've experienced it firsthand so I know exactly how it feels. Like I wasn't going to the toilet properly because I was following a meal plan. Mm. Um, So that just goes to show how much of a big impact it can have on you and that is why I do not favour a a restricted meal plan. I will give examples but I don't think a rigid meal plan is the right way to go for most people. Um, But like I said, me and AJ still have structure but we just include variation and if we want something we'll track it in yeah we still hit the fundamentals yeah i mean i eat very similar we both eat very similar day to day it's just like minor changes here and there we had dominoes yeah when we had a dominoes that was good but in the off season we are flexible and we like to show you guys that so that you know we're not robots and we like to enjoy food just like you do yeah exactly like i think that's important to show as well it, it, it makes clients feel a lot more comfortable when they have their own meals out and i had one of my clients this week said you know 
like uh, he'd been declining this social event that he would had with friends for ages and he asked me he had that confidence to ask me can i go to this social event and i was like mate you should have been going all the fucking time like you know you're in your off season this is an actual opportunity for you to build up your ability to be flexible it's an opportunity for you to view this as a a bit of a challenge and especially with some of my girls who have had previous eds i actually really like them to have periods of time where they go out for meals or even a period of time where they don't track a little bit and they see if they can you know view this as a challenge and get better and better at it and watching them get better at it is very rewarding for me as a coach because if they've improved their ability to go out and eat and remind themselves that they're not going to end up either one over restricting and coming back super duper light or two eat binge eating and overeating like or or three just they'll realize that, that actually if they go out and they track sensibly they're going to come back at a relatively similar body weight and that there's no issues with that that's actually the goal that's fine so yeah and there's actually a lot of benefits to to being able to do that in your season phases so do you want to take one of your questions someone asked me tips on relationships during prep we will report back to you in 2020 yeah yeah on that one I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, what uh, the thing is, I think a lot of people enter relate enter relationship enter preps with the whole negative affirmation that it's going to be bad and that everything's going to go to shit. I think like, it's going to help us. Honestly, I think it's going to be a really positive. Yeah, I think thing. sex drive will increase. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from yeah. that aspect of the relationship, aerobic conditioning will increase. Yeah. Apart from <laughs> apart from that aspect of the relationship, I genuinely think it will be a positive thing. Like, because obviously there will be times where we get on top of each other. We're gonna be a little. <laughs> We're gonna be a little bit more irritable. <laughs> obviously. We're gonna be a bit more irritable. So, um, yeah, there'll be times where we get, you know. A little bit where AJ gets a bit ag- agitated with me. Yeah, and we'll get up each ba- other's ends. Or, ba- <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it will be a positive thing. We support each other in everything we do. Like seeing AJ succeed will give me so much happiness. Um, it does make it easier to get up and do cardio when we're both getting up and doing cardio. We support each other at the end of the day and we'll do anything to help each other achieve whatever we set out to achieve. Lovely. Yeah. That's fantastic. That reeled back that question that was turning quite dirty. Good. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to use that as a sound bite for the episode. No. There will be some points. Okay, cool. So, I think that... Let me just do one. So, okay. Um, one of my clients asked, what do you do pre-workout to set yourself up for a good session, including timings, food choices and supplements? Can I go first with this because I want to add some I mean, context. you've gone first the whole podcast, so you may as well go first again. <laughs> That's a lie. Get ahead, go ahead, yeah, go. Okay. Um, so obviously I know the person who's asked this question it is a client um, I've gone through this a few times with the client herself and so f- for everyone listening what I do pre-workout is um, I'll obviously have my pre-workout meal which I usually have like an hour and a half or two hours before I train and then I have my intra when I train I also either have a coffee and a non-stim pre or a stim based pre Um obviously just before I start off to walk to the gym like I don't do that half an hour before I take it like just before I'm about to set off then I'll walk to the gym and train um 
but ultimately, as long as you in that allow enough time for your pre-workout meal to digest, and if you're going to have a caffeine-based product or um, a non-stim pump product, take that before you go, obviously, um, and get in a good headspace as well. Like AJ will watch um, YouTube videos or JP, JP videos. I don't necessarily do that all the time because I'm just getting on with work and whatever. Um, yeah, I've actually done that less recently i haven't had the time yeah. to watch jp at all i just like because i've been actually um, bad to be honest i don't like doing that i, I like would like the time yeah to i would like to do that but because i'm studying at the minute as well like work is just a bit full-on so i'm trying to get as much done as i can um and i don't really have the time to watch videos and stuff but yeah so as long as i allow my pre-workout meal enough time to digest and then i have my caffeine sauce before i go to the gym and make sure i take all of my equipment to the gym <laughs> And then go through some mobility work when I get to the gym, I'm fine. Um, obviously, like I've said to this client, you've got to make the most of what you've got. And sometimes your circumstances, you know, you might have had a bad night's sleep that may impact your training performance. But that's okay. You've just got to make the most of what you've got and do the best that you can under your current circumstances. And an example of this is yesterday. So I ate my pre-workout meal about two hours before we set off to the gym. Danny's fault. Yeah, this is, all, this is all my fault. And then AJ also ate his pre-workout meal. And when we were about to set off to the gym, I remembered I had a nail appointment in half an hour. So we went to the nail appointment and then went to the gym. So by the time we got there, it was probably three hours after yeah, we had our pre Yeah, way too long. I three, mean, three my session hour. just, you know, went down the drain. You said you had a good session yeah, and this was, was, was my good. point. Yeah, it was good. So you just ruined my point. <laughs> So the point of this being, <laughs> we weren't set up for a great session. Like we ate our pre-workout, what, three and a half hours before we actually trained. Um, but we still both had a really good session. And AJ, didn't you have a good, really yeah, good session? Yeah, it was actually good, yeah. Yeah, so even though our conditions weren't perfect, we made the most of what we had available to us and we still had a really good session. So sometimes, you know, your conditions are never going to be perfect and you've just got to do what you can. Um, there are things you can do to optimise your setup like we've previously discussed, but ultimately don't beat yourself up if things aren't perfect. Yeah, agreed. So I think uh, I pretty much have a very similar routine to Danny. So I guess if, any, if there's anything I can add, I think the make sure that over the course of your period of time, whatever phase you're in, so what phase is this client in at the moment? Is she gaining? Is she dieting? Improvement season. Okay, so she's improving. So as you're, you know, going into your improvement season and your, you know, your calories are progressing, there's going to be one fundamental factor that you have to consider is, is the digestion of certain foods. So like me and Danny actually both hit a point where we couldn't actually digest oats anymore or, or at least not efficiently so both of our pre-workout meals used to be oats for a long period of time and you know danny got to the point where you know well i got to the point first where i was like nah like i felt awful off of them i felt almost like bloated and distended uh, i felt tired and groggy after eating them for some reason they just weren't sitting well and when you feel like tired and run down after eating something it's usually a sign that from a digestive standpoint something is not quite right and your body's having to work super duper hard to be able to process that food in order for you to get obviously ready and, and digested for the gym. And if you're heading into the gym bloated, it's not good for your confidence, especially as a female. You know, you want to be wearing flattering clothing or at least clothing that's a bit tight fitting. And if you're going in bloated and it's just not it's just not nice, it's not going to set you up psychologically well for the session. So monitor food options. 
It really assesses to whether you're making a correct decision or not based on, you know, the feedback that I've just mentioned. Um, and outside of that, you know, just really make sure that you're thinking about electrolytes as well in that window of time. So if you're looking at trying to, uh, on the basic term, send the fuel to the muscle group. So we're looking at transporting glycogen into the muscle cell. We're going to use a variety of things to be able to do that, most namely sodium, potassium, and water. So if you're going to the session poorly hydrated, then your chances of adequately achieving cellular hydration is low. So making sure you've got plenty of fluid in you before you go into that pre-workout meal setting. Um, ideally not drinking a load of fluid with your pre-workout meal because that may well cause a degree of bloating or digestive issues. But ideally getting in you know, a decent amount of fluid pre-the pre meal and then with the meal itself, putting some grinds of you know sea salt, pink Himalayan rock salt on it, etc. Maybe a couple of dashes, a couple of grams of of low salt as well to aid in your ability to, to consume enough potassium and then you should be able to like since introducing and balancing out potassium for me I've seen a big difference in my pumps in the gym and also my just general hydration status throughout the day just obviously taking feedback from like urine etc and just general hydration status so be aware of electrolytes Potentially, I'm sure Danny's recommended as well, but think about electrolytes in your intra. So if you're not currently having them, maybe have a look at that, and that will obviously stop the potential for you to be in a negative electrolyte position post-workout when you've depleted electrolytes through perspiration and obviously the excretion, which will uh, involve around training windows. Um, so yeah, I would say that that's the, the things that you need to be considering. And outside of that, you know, my client George says get your nut in the game and that's really true you have to get your nut in the game before you train the things that you should be thinking about when you're training is training so if you've got loads on your mind from work you know a lot of us work busy and demanding jobs even us me and Danny will take a lot of our work into our sessions sometimes and you know we're thinking about things we're thinking about peak weeks or busyness or the fact we've got 15 whatsapps to reply or we get onto our like I've I've got ready for like a top set before and like you know I've had a check-in come in and it's like 25 minutes long and it will really like knock me so I found that for the most part when I can try and switch my phone into airplane mode I will do it it's difficult for me because I actually like I view as like sometimes in between sets my I can reply to a whatsapp or something which I really shouldn't be doing because I like to stay focused within the session and actually my efficiency of the session will massively increase if I don't go on WhatsApp. But at the same time, yeah, so whatever you're doing from a work perspective, switch off from work, switch on to training, and whether that's, you know, a pre-workout video, watching something on the member's site or on YouTube, whatever, like whatever gets you going pre-workout, definitely look at that and uh, take that into your session. Can I just add as well, so the, the client who asked this question, her training sessions are really short. So yeah. it might not necessarily be appropriate for her to have an intra-workout. Her sessions are literally like an hour. Yeah. So it's not always necessary for everybody to have an intra-workout. I would particularly recommend them if your sessions are long and intense and you feel like you need a bit of a kick yeah. up the bum. I mean, she but could still not... have electrolytes just on its own in the, yeah, in the drink. Yeah, definitely. With some squash. Yeah. There'd be no problems with that. No, but I'm saying it's not always 100% necessary. 
Yeah, it's absolutely agreed. Dependent. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Like, you know, if you if you're training for less than an hour, there's no need for you have, yeah. for having carbohydrates. That's a lot. So yeah, for for sure, I agree with that totally. So yeah, I think we've hit about an hour. So we'll leave it there. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, of course, just as always, if you give this a like on YouTube. That'd be much appreciated, even though it is an audio format. But I know that a lot of you like the YouTubes. And, of course, if you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes or Spotify... Tag us in your Instagram story. She she said it, yeah, she said (laughs) it. So, yeah, tag us and the most funny tag, whatever it is, like whether it's, I don't know, an emoji or a GIF or whatever, the best tag, I will give a high five at some point in the near future. All right, guys, I'll speak to you soon. And thanks again for Danny for coming on thanks for having me i'll yeah i'll speak to you in the next one guys in a bit bye bye